Hello and welcome to the Cafe Bitcoin podcast, brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, the best way to buy and learn about Bitcoin. I'm your host, Alex Danton, and we're excited to announce that we're bringing the Cafe Bitcoin conversation from Twitter Spaces to you on this show, the Cafe Bitcoin podcast, Monday through Friday, every week. Join us as we speak to guests like Michael Saylor, Len Alden, Corey Clipston, Greg Foss, Tomer Strohlight, and many others in the Bitcoin space. Also, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure you get notifications when we launch a new episode. You can join us live on Twitter Spaces Monday through Friday, starting at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern every morning to become part of the conversation yourself. Thanks again. We look forward to bringing you the best Bitcoin content daily here on the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast. All right, all right. Exactly. Hey, Aunt, good to see you, Dom. Peter, off what peace. Up? What up? I'm Terrence Yang, your host today for a special edition of Swan Private Macro Friday. How are you guys doing? Tomer, sending an invite. Tao, Joe Colasari, good to see you guys. Take the ride. Come up if you'd like. How is everyone's week so far? One more busy. day. Good busy or fiat busy? <laughs> yeah, no, it's good busy. I mean, I got a lot of, you know, work going on, of course, but the, I'm just, I'm literally like days away from launch. It might be this weekend, uh, uh, launching the new version of Time Chain Stats. It's been a lot of work. Nice. I've been Can working literally like, hardcore on it and trying to get every single one of these uh, requests that folks have given me over the years. And I just couldn't be more excited. I, I haven't talked about it a lot. I'm going to give a big release when I do, but should be this weekend. Well, let me say, could be this weekend. For those of us who aren't familiar, including myself, what is time? I, I, can you remind us what time chain SAS is? Yeah. So... It's my own personal website. Like whenever I, you know, as a part of my journey, you know, you learn about Bitcoin and back in 2017, and it's still kind of like this, but back in 2017, it was worse. Like there was information about Bitcoin, but it was just disparate across all of these different websites and platforms. And it's still kind of like that, but it's gotten better. And in my case, you know, when you first learn, it's twofold. One. You need something because you're like, oh, I like this. I like this. This is a good thing for me to, to remember, you know? And so you're putting things maybe in a folder or a file or whatever. Your friends and family need, you know, some advice or some, some tips or whatever it is. So, you know, you're saving bookmarks, but I'm a web developer. So for me, that manifests into a web page, like a website. And so I was passing around. I had a website that was just like, you know, Bitcoin stuff. See, I didn't want to have to go to a bunch of different sites to get my stuff. And then I was sending it out to friends and family. Well, that was just like a bulletin board, basically. And just, you know, at some point, you know, it, it's like it, it starts to congeal where, okay, this is a site where like I need something that I can use every single day, you know, and it actually kind of took form into its current form where it's, like a dashboard style website 
Um, that kind of came about because, you know, throughout the journey, throughout my journey, uh, I had lost trust in a lot of these big sites. Like back in the day, when I first came in, I was going to coin market cap all the time. Like that was like when I first got in, it was like coin market cap, what's the price and all that stuff. Yeah. But then they got bought by Binance back in the day. And it was just like, that was like a huge eye opener. I remember right then that was one of the catalysts that caused me to like pour a lot of fire on this project. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to like, I had shit coins on it back then. And I'm like, I'm going to kick all these shit coins off. I'm going to be like, it's going to be a Bitcoin only website just for me. And, you know, I'm not going to have any like, you know, I, I made these, all these decisions right then. I was like, you know, I've had this website for myself, but now, you know, this, this information is so important. It needs to be out there. I don't want it to be with a bunch of shit coins and I don't want people to have to pay for it. Like I'm going to use it. I don't want people to have to like see ads. I don't want to have to have people click through a bunch of shit coins to get Bitcoin data. So long winded answer to your question. <laughs> it's basically just a Bitcoin dashboard that is Bitcoin only got tons of the Bitcoin data. And all the important relevant stats, you know, but as cool as it's been sure. and as well, you know, received as it has been, it is pretty basic in its offering. Like it has a ton of data, but it's not very interactive. And all of that is changing in wow. just a couple of days. Yeah. Okay. It's sick. Cool. Um, can our listeners who are very busy people. Can they, can they get us early access? <laughs> well, they won't get early access because my release, um, like I said, I don't believe in like paywalls or holding anything back or any of that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing it in version. So right now we're still on, you know, right. 0.69 after this, we're going 0.70 and it's just, you know, if you went there one day, it was 0.69. If you go there the next day. It's going to be 0 0.70 and that's just going to be it. I okay, am showing sorry. it to a few people, um, before I go live, but yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. People should. So you're more mature than Elon who would probably keep it at 0.69 or do like 0.69420 version or whatever he does. Yeah. Maybe I should keep Bad it joke. at 0 0.69 <laughs> for a little longer. <laughs> I'm at like 0 0.69.130 exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it's cool. It's been like a lot of work and I'm just really excited for people to see it. There's been a lot of requests. That's the big cool thing about this site for me is that uh -huh. in the beginning, it was my site with my stuff. But over the over the years, especially in this last cycle, it has been transformed to be like more of like a community type thing because people are nice. hitting me with DMs all the time saying like, add this, add that. And I will yeah. like, I'll, I take it serious. <laughs> I take it very serious. And I go in there and I'm like, is this something I want to add? Most times it is. I'm like, yeah. Do you, do you, you know. take donations from people? Like, no, like at this point, like I said, I mean, this wasn't a money-making project. You know, I made this project for myself and I need it as long as I'm a Bitcoiner, I'm going to need it. So I'm going to always have it, whatever. But, but, you know, I am toying with, because I've had a lot of people say, you know, put a donate button on there, put a donate button. I'm like, all right, you know, because I don't have ads and like, I'm not really looking to make money from it, but you know, I may put one on there in case someone wants to donate. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it does have a cost to keep it running. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Cool. You're, there's so many people in Bitcoin with your ethos 
who are building things for themselves, share with the community, listen to feedback, but won't take money for it. I think it's amazing because you kind of need that to have a movement because it's not like Bitcoin has these built-in pump and dump schemes where founders pre-mine, give a bunch of shit coins uh, to their VCs and PR people and they pump it up, right? And then the VCs use that markup to raise the big around. Then they list it on Coinbase and Binance and dump it on retail and just wreck everybody over and over. These uh, arguably unregistered securities are not so arguably anymore given all the SEC action on these um, against exchanges for listing unregistered securities. So it's great to have people like you. This is like a movement I've never seen. Uh, yeah, it is lot. really cool. Yeah. It's a, it's a new paradigm. It's a new world where it's like, what skills do you have? What do you bring to the table? What value can you produce that others may find useful? That's the whole thing that I'm doing. Like I built something that was useful to me because I needed it. So I'm the first user. So that's the, the guarantee that I have for me with the site is that, you know, it has to be good because I need it every day. So it's going to be good because I'm not going to like go to some garbage site. Right. And then the fact with the money piece, what makes that cool for me is, um, like, I mean, if this was like my full-time job and I was like, depending on time chain stats as like income, then like, yeah, I would probably try to monetize it. But since it's more of like a project for me that I need and, you know, I have a job and everything, so it's, it's fine. But the, but because I'm not taking any money from it, contrast that with something like coin market, which I don't know what they're doing, but you know, they're owned by an exchange before they were owned by an exchange. Um, you know, there was all these rumors back then about paid listings and, and just different kinds of things. And if it didn't happen yeah. on coin market cap, maybe some other dashboards, but see, lacking proof, I can't make those claims, but at the same time, I didn't want to just like live in that world where like, I just can't trust something like that. And there's so many like financial arrangements in not just this space, but all around the world. And so by me having this hard line, like no ads, no sales, you know, none of that crap, no user accounts, I'm not tracking you and selling the data and all that other garbage, then it's like, yeah, it's clean in the sense that a user can come to my site and, and know, oh, there's no backroom deals. This guy's not taking payments from some, you know, project to get listed or any other garbage. You know, there's like no financial incentives for me to like mess with the website in any nefarious way. So that part I really enjoy. And, you know, taking donation money would be not in that vein, I think, because it's more like some, yeah. if somebody sees the site and they use it and they want to drop a few sats in the bucket, then great. That's not, you know, me saying I'll build X, you pay this, or I'll run your ad for X, but then I've got to change my website to whatever, accommodate, whatever, you know, none of that is happening ever. Love it. Okay. Everyone check out Time Chain Sats. Thank you. Uh, welcome, everyone. The Friday macro edition of Cafe, Cafe Bitcoin. 
Um, what else we got? Let's talk a few more minutes and shoot the shit before we go into maybe news and then, and then announcements. Um, Tomer, I don't know if you have any thoughts or Dom, Peter. Otherwise, there's always thoughts. Yeah, there's always thoughts going through my <laughs> yeah, mind. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> Not we want the unfiltered Tomer. I want to know what your, I want to know what your brilliant brain. If you can give us a stream of consciousness thing for a few minutes, that would be really cool for me. I will. I, I, you have to seed me with something because I wasn't in the midstream of something. Uh, in the meantime, I, I did record a podcast last night, The Bitcoin Matrix. I recently had put out a piece called Hello, I Am Bitcoin. And Cedric, who's the host of that show, wanted to talk about it. And it was, it was another one of these attempts to see, see the world from a different perspective. In this case, it was to see the human world from the perspective of, of Bitcoin itself, as though it were a living, a talking being. So spent a couple of hours chatting about that. I don't know if that's particularly of interest. This is more of a macro topic today. So it's not, not the kind of, that, well, not weird, yet, weird right? philosophical stuff. Not yet. At least. Yeah. Can you give us a couple highlights, maybe, or just some things that you think the audience might enjoy from that piece? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't have it in front of me right now, but it, it begins by it, it's all written in the first person as coming from Bitcoin. So it's just it's called "Hello, I am Bitcoin," and it says "Hello, I am Bitcoin. I am an artificial life form." That just means I am a man-made life form. Hi, and and then it, it goes into um, how how it's more like a, it says it's not a machine, it's not a computer program. It is a single uninterrupted process. It says I am a single uninterrupted process that began on January 3rd, 2009, and it has been going nonstop ever since. It's I'm not something that you turn on and off or ever restart. And I survive, and I survive by being fed energy and matter, computers, hard disks, and electricity. And that helps me to grow and, and it's how I survive. And I survive by living in symbiosis with human beings who value what I provide. And what I provide is, and is a record. I, I travel through time with humanity, keeping a keeping an uh, unalterable record of, his, of the history of, I can't remember exactly the words I used in the article, but something like that. And, an unalterable record and says, you know, that's very useful to human beings. Say people, we have expressions like written in stone or carved in stone or written in blood. But the truth is you can change stone with tools and you can you know, alter paper stained with blood, but nobody can alter Bitcoin's record. Uh, so it's the first indestructible record keeping, honest record keeping companion that we've ever had. And, um, and so that's what people find really useful. And that's why they live in symbiosis with, with Bitcoin. So, and it goes on and on. I uh, get a little, uh, even more philosophical about, uh, what, what, you know, is, is it really alive or when, and it says, well, it's just artificially, what, what does it mean to be artificially alive? Like is artificial sweetener really sweet? Is an artificial limb really a limb? Is, uh, I can't remember what the other example it, it asks is, but then it goes into mm -hmm. saying, well, you know, what, what would it take to kill this artificial life form? What would it take to kill me? And, uh, and it talks about how hard it is to kill it and how much stronger it is at getting it. So it's kind of a fun way to explore I, a lot of these, a lot of these aspects of Bitcoin, like 
what actually is it? Um, how, how does it differ from other computer systems that we know or other computer mm -hmm. networks or, or other forms of money? Um, and, I, and it really just uh, kind of uh, parades through all of these different, different things about how Bitcoin is so different from everything else and act, tries to ask a bunch of questions and, uh, and should be a fun read. It's available. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can find a link to post it in the next if anybody Yes. Yeah, yeah, please do. I, I would love to read it. Um, I think I started it and then got busy. Mm -hmm. I also get distracted easily and didn't finish. <laughs> do you I'll also find it. Uh, Greg uh, Zad, the famous F-U-G, um, <laughs> made a video of it. He, he got a... He got, oh, wow. He, he got a... Um, he, he did all these, like... Uh, fractal shape animated fractal shapes and put some music to it and had it read by a machine reading program using apparently a simulation of jeff booth's voice in a completely monotone tone um so it, it's a little bit hard to listen to at first but then you get used to it so i'll, I'll see if i can find both and uh, and try to share them into the nest that'd be amazing give, give me a couple of minutes but you yeah, had a follow-up yeah, sure. question I'll, I'll answer your follow-up question first i did which is um you mentioned the artificial stuff would you, um, and, and you've talked about AI, I believe, on Spaces before. Mm -hmm. I'm always multitasking or not on enough coffee, so I don't quite remember what you yeah. talked about. But would you consider writing about AI, perhaps? Or Yeah, I have, I have a lot more research to do. You know, there's a lot of There's a lot of people who write about AI who probably shouldn't be writing about AI. So you have to like, take anything. I'm not writing about Bitcoin and AI and not from, mm -hmm. not with your voice and insights to be honest yeah it just be I, different to hear from me sure no I, like I, I have some thoughts and and i would catch them with this field of ai is moving very very quickly i think i think what we're experiencing with ai like if you talk in particular about its ability to to write uh so like chat mm -hmm. gpt it it i was talking with somebody who was actually quite in this space yesterday about it and I, I think what it, which, what this really impressive feat that it does is it can form grammatically perfect, coherent sounding sentences. It, um, that doesn't mean it can, um, it can do all of the sorts of things that human beings can do thought wise. It's, it's probably better than any of us at, at on its first try writing a sentence. It doesn't need to be proofread for grammar and punctuation. Accuracies, correspondence to reality is a real challenge for it. Like it can, facts that are widely agreed upon, because it's just trained on a lot of language, on, on a lot of things that have been written. So things that are non-controversial and that everybody's written about and that everybody is in consensus about, it can repeat those things using its own words. Uh, but it's not really capable of judgment and thinking. And and we know we can also see that there are, there are mm -hmm. people who can intervene in what it's in what it says if they if they don't want it to say certain things based off of its yes. data so it's not it's not this it's like it, it's not going to solve problems for you it it may be an alternative to using google to search but again we've all learned that we may not always get google doesn't automatically produce right answers it shows you things that it think that it judges to be highly ranked highly preferred by other people on the internet again subject to uh, filtering by people who have master keys for it. I think one of the really interesting things that we then contrast Bitcoin against, and Bitcoin doesn't provide answers to questions, right? it just make, it makes you think, 
but no, there are no people with master keys to Bitcoin. And, um, and, and it runs independently and autonomously. And there's this irony because it, it's, it does actually part of the inspiration of why I wrote that piece as I did, because the, I, I w it was just in the early days of everyone playing with chat GPT and chat GPT talks to you in the first person. It says, oh, I am, I am a learning based model, so I can do this and I can do that. And that kind of personifies it and makes you think, oh, this thing can actually think or use itself as an entity. And, uh, and it isn't, uh, it, that's just a, a simple trick by a simple illusion created by it using the word I over and over again, I am, um, but it doesn't, it doesn't really have this, uh, independence and autonomy. Uh, Bitcoin does to a greater extent, in my view, it, it is autonomous. Like nobody can tell it what to say its rules. It follows its rules. It exists according to its rules and nobody can change those rules. And so it has this greater independence. And so I thought, well, wouldn't it be interesting if it could talk? So when I actually started writing the piece, I kind of started writing it a little bit in the style of how GPT speaks to you with these short sentences. It's often contained long lists of things. So there's a few sentences in there that, uh, that may make you feel like it was generated by auto GPT, but I actually didn't use, I just, I, I was just inspired by auto GPT when I wrote it, um, from a stylistic perspective. And then it that. goes into, it goes into some more detail there. Uh, but you know, I, I, I guess the last thing I'd say with their AI is the kind of, the kind of thing that we're, there's a lot of fear about AI right now, uh, two kinds. One is it'll replace people's jobs and people will lose jobs. I think that's, that's not completely misplaced, although there's a question of what kind of jobs it can actually do and how well it can do them. So I, I'd be more concerned, Well, we're just going to end up seeing a lot of writing and a lot of imagery that's, that all looks and sounds the same because it's at that creative level of what this thing keeps putting out rather generically. Um, and the more you, the more of this stuff you read, the more you become acquainted with, oh, this was probably written by or illustrated by. Um, AI, and I could probably reverse engineer the prompt by reading what, what was there. And it produces so much text that many people are, <laughs> many people aren't going to read. So one of the things, there's another, I, before I get to the second thing that people are afraid of, one of the iron, ironic tragedies of these things is like, you're often asked to write something so that you can learn about it, uh, not just your, your readers, but if all, if you don't actually read what you've written, cause you're just typed a prompt into uh, an AI chatbot, uh, then you haven't really learned much. You haven't really scrutinized what it's produced, even if you have read it. And there's so many people producing all this stuff that nobody has time to read any of what's produced. So there's this irony that we now have this tool to create lots of writing, um, but we may actually end up learning less and reading less and understanding less as a result of it, which is, which is what often happens with these overabundant creative technologies. The other thing that people are afraid of with AI is that it's going to become self-aware and greedy and kill all humans or enslave all humans. And, uh, I, I think that that's quite misplaced. Like at the, at the base layer, it's a machine and it's a machine that will do what people tell it to do, uh, what it's programmed to do, not the other way around. Living things came about with a will to survive and, and that will to survive, like the, the living beings that didn't have it just died. So. So we just see through this kind of evolutionary self-selection process, things that want to live and things that are prepared to kill other things in order to live for themselves. That's how life, that's how life works.
but that's not how machines work. And that's not to say the machines aren't dangerous. Not yet. <laughs> well, no, but mach- well, yeah, but it's like, will we ever give, it, be able to recreate that desire for the thing to, to live? I actually talk a little bit about it in this, in this piece about not that Bitcoin desires to live, but that it expects to live as long as it provides human beings with something of value because it lives in symbiosis with them. And if, if nobody found it valuable, nobody would run the software and it would, and that, then it would die. Uh, but as long as anybody finds it valuable and runs the software, the pro, that single process of creating this blockchain and only adding to it, never removing from it and being available to everybody, that process continues. So it, it, I, I have, you know, a couple of thoughts from it there about how it comes in peace, but I don't think that this is, um, I don't think that that fear in that way is really the concern. I think the greater concern is are people who have special access to the AI able to use it to, 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 to ens- enslave or kill other people, right? It's the people that we have to be concerned about, not the technology itself. And of course, the use yeah. of the technology is something we need to be worried about, but it's not that the technology will run away on its own and do things to us. It's what people do to us. And I, I think we can actually reflect, and, and we often do it here. This is my last thought. We, we can reflect on how we've become mm-hmm. um, victims of, of these algorithms, but algorithms that were designed by people for people's interests. So when Twitter, as an example, or YouTube, if we want to talk about a site we're not on right now, decides, well, we want to maximize engagement and we're going to train an artificial intelligent algorithm, which has been around for a long time, to maximize engagement, their concern there is maximizing the profits of YouTube for YouTube shareholders. And yep. And if they don't care about whether this radicalizes people or confuses people or makes people addicted to these sites and, and stops them from being productive citizens, it's not because of any decision that a selfish machine made. That was just a, a mathematical algorithm programmed by humans doing what the humans programmed it to do, which is optimize engagement. And, and it's other people who didn't reflect on the consequences of that, that it creates addiction and disassociation and depression and all these things. It's human beings who were negligent on, on that ground in how they implemented technology. So like the buck stops and the responsibility stops with us. We can't as human beings say, well, you know, we wrote the optimal program and this is what it did and we all have to live with it. We ultimately have to take responsibility and we can't just blame the machines for what we, like, we can't blame a machine that we built and put into process that's operating exactly as we designed it for what it's doing. It's that, that's our responsibility and it's a responsibility of the people who program the machines. And ultimately, you know, if, if we've got these algorithms that are messing up our minds or messing up our lives and we can't count on the people who are implementing them to modify them or revoke them, we have to find the way to find freedom from it. So I, I think that's why you get so much talk about Noster lately on um, here on on Twitter. But I think that there's there's many many more things that, that we need to be doing to start to wean ourselves off of our addiction and over reliance on algorithms to just show us what we should be doing next with our day and just clicking on the next game or playing the next level of a game or watching the next video on YouTube or endlessly scrolling through Twitter. These are all AI algorithms that have been around for a long time that work really well. And, uh, 
and, and don't necessarily work to the benefit of the people who are exposed to them. They work to the benefit of the people who expose other people to them. I just think that I was going to say, I think that the classic fear that people have with, you know, the, the way that we've imagined AI through science fiction to this point is, you know, you have an idea that, yeah, it may not want to have the desire unless it's self-aware, like it may not have a desire to, um, stay alive, but it could have various keep alives in place, which would in turn, make it continue to function. And if it was, if it did have a certain level of sentience, then, you know, you could easily imagine a, a situation where if, you know, let's say you were going to spin up a harmless little ad blocker. And so you made a little AI agent and you're like going to do a little ad blocker for your computer. You don't want to see the ads anymore. But then, you know, because of where we're living in 2023 and like all of the available kits that are out there available online, Next thing you know, I mean, it's not too many hops away to, to see that thing start trying to crack into access points, trying to, you know, it, it has to stop these ads and it has to stay alive. So it's going to continue trying to crack access points, continue to crack access points. You know, next thing you know, it may decide that humans are ultimately the cause of the ads and that the only true way to stop the ads is to launch the nukes, which, you know, it didn't have to brute force and whatever it is. But these are very scary, like in your mind when you think about those things, but it's, and then I've also said the other day, like if it reaches a certain level, AI singularity event, and we have, you know, something that is much magnitudes, much greater in, 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 in intellect than us, then it would be like an amoeba trying to, you know, a group of amoebas trying to convince you of their laws and how important their values are. Like it, it's just it's going to escape the barn. But this iteration is being called AI. ChatGPT is awesome. I've played with it a lot, but it's, it's not AI. Like it's, it's, you know, probabilistic model, all of that. But it's not like the, the fear that I think that people are putting onto it yet. A lot of that is just marketing from those guys trying to be first, plant their flag in the AI market. But and it's awesome. It's very, very smart. But I think that right now, I'm not as worried as of like losing jobs. I mean, it is going to transform the workspace. I just, I think about that movie Surrogates, where most of the world had adopted wearing like robot bodies in the real world, but some people didn't. And they like hardline, I'm not going to do that. And those people couldn't make it in the world because those robot bodies are too violent. Like, like they just don't, they're, they're not sensitive to the world around them. So they would push, like bump into you hard. And like, you know, it was like dangerous to be out there because everybody was in robot bodies. That's what I think is you're seeing in GPT, like right now, chat GPT, like there's people in your office that are using it that you don't even know. And the question is like, how are you going to adapt to this tool to either increase your livelihood, increase your education? I understand what you're saying too. Like if you let it write for you, and just copy paste, you're probably not going to gain a lot of education. But I will say that ChatGPT has educated me quite a bit while I'm typing it in and it'll come back with an answer that I hadn't considered or, you know, I'm actually reading and I go, oh yeah, that's how it would do it or just whatever, you know. So not AI yet. Don't be totally afraid. 
just adopt these tools and try to see if you can be an early adopter. I just jump in and say, like, I think that, uh, first of all, I think you guys are all fear mongering. I want a all over my body, inside me at all times. And uh, I think it's going to be great for humanity. I'm, of course, kidding. But I do think that there is, so what you were saying a second ago, Tomer, there's this fear around AI that I think is unwarranted. I think it's, you know, anytime there is a new technology that, uh, that has the potential and likely will displace existing job structures, people get very understandably afraid about it, but it like balloons into this larger thing, right? I mean, you can go back, there's great threads on Twitter of every single new technology. You know, it's when the telephone is invented, but he's like, oh my God, ruin everything, destroy all the children. Then, you know, like, even when books were first invented, exact same reaction, like literally verbatim. And, you know, when the internet came around, people said exactly the same thing because they were afraid for their jobs and their economic, you know, economic, uh, economic uncertainty. And so that, you know, foments fear. But um, I think these types of tools will fundamentally change the way that we interact with the world around us in exactly, or not in exactly the same way, but similar to the way that the internet has fundamentally changed the way that we interact with the world around us. If you went back to you know, 1995, the average person, um, whether or not they would be using the internet in 10 years, they'd be like, oh, go fuck yourself. But uh, of course, 10 years later, almost everybody was. And I think it's going to be the same thing for these types of technologies. I think we're going to start seeing them in embedded devices. And um, the last thing I'll say is that for me personally, like I love all these tools. And with, for me, the way that I use Things like ChatGPT or AutoGPT, which is which is basically built on top of, um, you know, GPT three point five or GPT four, um, is as like a copilot. So I think that it, it doesn't work well to what you were saying earlier, Tomer. If you're trying to get it to generate like from whole cloth, if you're just if you just type in like, give me a a banger blog post article of cows using Bitcoin, it'll give you garbage. But if you are using it as part of a workflow to help you conceptualize a new idea, then it can be really, really powerful. So I tend to use it for kind of as a part of an exploratory process. You know, how do things like, how does a software engineer who specializes in this type of architecture approach this type of problem? And then it will start to give me things and keep going. So to me, it really is a conversation with this, you know, semi-autonomous, encyclopedic entity and I'm using it to learn and construct new ideas as I go. Have you thanked it yet for getting an answer correct? No. I, uh, when people look at my chat GPT interactions, they're like, you are harsh. Cause like, it'll, I'll ask it for some piece of code. It'll give it to me and I'll be like, wrong. Try again. If this is dark, it'll just be like, okay. Yeah. It's been snippy to me before. Uh, like if you try, I, I had it do something and then I tried it. And it didn't work or something wasn't working. So then I, I, I was going back and forth with it. And then at some point it goes, well, if you go back to the, my original answer, <laughs> like, like, okay, cool it, chat GPT. Oh yeah. I don't think on that note, wow. I will, I almost always change the, uh, the, uh, lexicon cause I get bored of it. It's just like pretty vanilla answers, which are designed to like offend as few people as possible. So I tend to be like, speak to me as if you were, you know, Marlon, Black, Marlon Brando or whoever how about you that's way funny and i'll be having like a totally different conversation with it about some technical topic but it's talking to me as if it's opportunity 
Oh, that's pretty funny. I'll put this code as Captain Crunch has written. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I agree. That. Go ahead, Dom. I was just, I was just, I agree. I'm long human. I think the humans are always going to rise above. I think I will help the cream of the crop rise. Uh, you know, it's an interesting area. A lot of people don't talk about it affected by AI. Trolling. The amount of trolling that people have at their fingertips. I mean, imagine Peter Schiff puts out something, you know, on gold. You can have Chad GPT write you up a quick poem. Peter's going to have to rise to another level to defeat the trolls because they'll have new content that takes 10 seconds. Uh, but I do think, I do think in the end, there's too much talent in the human uh, sector uh, for, for a lot of these doomsday concepts to to uh play out so it's an interesting tool uh, um that's it what's up everyone payday friday uh my yeah. uh, my fiat stack is strong but not for long see Ch gpt didn't know i was going to say that they couldn't have come up with that witty <laughs> phrase themselves only i could have come up with that so uh, good to see everyone here happy friday happy friday happy friday what's going on everybody bitcoin chris checking in just want to say friday and, you know, usually on back in the days, right, on Clubhouse, we would smash by on a Friday. We would do a collective smash by on Swan or wherever it is that you smash by. So maybe later on we can all collectively do so if you haven't done so already. But I wanted to jump in and say, hey, chat, chat GPT definitely helped me out in a few different ways. Um, my brand new brand that I launched that helped me outline, you know, the sectors on my website and, you know, as, as long as you can be as specific as possible with chat GPT can definitely help you. Um, I do agree with Dom. I'm long on humans as well, but you know, with Elon and his plan to integrate, you know, uh, I think it's Neuralink, if I'm not mistaken, into everybody's like DNA. I think that's going to be, you know, something that we all got to be looking out for. I think that's probably going to be the lead to you know, the mark of the beast, if you believe in religion and whatnot. But I think that's going to be a crazy, crazy uh, situation that we're all going to be in in the future. But if we are wise enough to use ChatGPT to help us out, I think it's a really great opportunity. I mean, I think Elon is, I think Lynn Alden fucking nailed it uh, in her like fiery posts lately, where she just talked about how Elon Musk is essentially a fantastic marketer. And that is his primary skill. I think Neuralink is like garbage. I think he's God, he's done so many presentations where he's like, oh, look at this amazing new technology. And it's just like pigs with like decade old technology, like shoving into their brain. Um, I think even his, his approach to like AI is 100% a marketing scam. Like, you know, he, he is in the same way that like when he took over Twitter, he immediately was like, how can I get the most engagement possible? How can I get everybody talking about this? So what did he do? He created massive controversy, right? He, he, you know, went on the censorship angle. He started releasing all the, all the, uh, the Twitter files and the Twitter reports. He did it in a genius way, which is that he only allowed like high profile journalists to get access to it. And then he had posts about it on Twitter. He, he did exactly the same thing with AI. He's been talking for a while, but he's been like creating fear and getting everybody all terrified of it. And, you know, he had this whole open letter that he had scientists sign and then Oh, surprise, surprise, he launches his own uh, products. And he's like, I'm only doing this to save America, to save the world. Really, that's 
I'm sure his has been his plan all along. He wants to create controversy and then capitalize on it to drive interest in his own product. So I won't be surprised if his AI product goes absolutely nowhere and just keeps taking on investments because he's the Elon Musk and he can drum up engagement. Yeah, I was going to bring up Elon. So you and Dom are, so one of the best things I think about Bitcoiners is we are disagreeable in that we just don't accept what authority or the world's richest person or someone who's allegedly smart says. So I love that you guys don't agree with uh, Elon because Elon's a very much a doomsayer or doomsdayer on AI, thinks it's bigger risk than climate change, which he's also very worried about. There is something Elon has in common with Bitcoiners, which is we are all identifying and acting to ensure against catastrophe, right? Like Bitcoiners think there's a financial and economic catastrophe with money and all the dollar debasement. Elon thinks it's climate and now AI. But as P said, it's probably marketing. A hundred percent. If there's danger, we need Elon to help everyone. Who else can do, uh, you know, save folks from the AI other than Elon? <laughs> That's right. Uh, Terrence, oh, sorry. Yeah. Do you want to uh, play that video that you were interested in? Uh, yes, let's do that. So basically, um, P, who might be new to some of you on stage, is not new to people like um, Tokalasari, Tomer, our coworker, um, because he's, he's at Swan now, was at Bitcoin Magazine. Also, Bitcoin Chris, when we were, Joe, Chris, and I, and others were on Clubhouse back in the day. But P is hilarious. And P, we're going to play a proof of work video. P will set it up, but it made me laugh so hard. And I have, it deepened my respect for P. He's obviously <laughs> hilarious and a phenomenal troll. But I just couldn't believe he did it. P, can you set up the video and then we're going to have Jacob play it? <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, so, yeah, I was the, the head of programming for Bitcoin 2022. So I, you know, organized all the, the speakers and everything for last year's conference. Um, and uh, then I was the host of uh, Bitcoin Magazine Live, which was the daily show that uh, Bitcoin Magazine did. And in December, I switched over to Swan, would have been you guys, and it's been absolutely fucking incredible. But when I was hosting Bitcoin Magazine Live, I made a bet with my co-host Q that Ethereum would once again fail to complete their quote-unquote merge when they went to proof of stake. And I was so confident, maybe in retrospect, a little overconfident, uh, that I committed to eating a shoe if they merged on the date that they said they were going to. And of course they did. And so I took a shoe, chopped it up, and uh, ate it live on camera, which is, I think, the video you're talking about. I made a bet. We do have to worry about and I lost the bet. So now I have to eat a shoe. I used the table saw to cut the base of the shoe off. Then I actually sanded the finish of the shoe off because the, you know, it has like waxes and oils and stuff. I'm left with this leather. What I'm going to do is I'm going to cut this up into little pieces and then I'm going to mix it in with some chili. I have a can of right here. 
some spicy chili. Put it in this pot that I got from Goodwill, cook it for a couple hours, and then I'll uh, eat it live on camera. Let's fucking go. I've got a, uh, a bottle of Snoop Dogg wine here. Going to be drinking it out of a, a giant goblet. I pair that with this, uh, this bowl of, uh, you know, shoe chili that I have. All sorts of little pieces of, uh, of shoe strap in there. Uh, yeah, here we go. Let's, uh, a little piece of, little eyelet from the, uh, it's very gamey. Sorry, I got to swallow this first. Like I said, first. You definitely chase it with that stupid ride. I fucking oh did. Yeah. Here I'll go. Oh, I have one more piece just for, just for, uh, you know, our viewers at home. Audience for context. He is not getting paid any Bitcoin to do this. So like, as it tastes like chicken gamey or is it like elk gamey? Like I need a little. It tastes like a fucking there. shoe, man. It, it's, <laughs> well, I don't know what you want me to say. It's a shoe. It's a shoe. It tastes like a fucking shoe. Um, make good on your bets, honor your friends, respect your commitments, be a good Bitcoiner. Yeah, it was, it's fucking awful. I put it in the nasty, he got the video. It was very fun to make. I, uh, ordered a chef's outfit and drop shipped to me so that I could be wearing it during that thing. Cause you know, you got to dress the part, but, uh, yeah, man, it tasted awful. Definitely had almost cracked a tooth on a little island from the, uh, the strap. But 100% uh, worried that I do it again. Amazing. By the way, I want to touch on something. So I have a disagreeable or unpopular opinion among Bitcoiners. Um, Justin Moon, also Jeremy Rubin, but Justin Moon, who's highly respected Bitcoin dev and has trained some Bitcoin core developers with his course. He said that we need, uh, we would like more engineering capacity in Bitcoin Core because the idea was this centered around how, regardless of what you think about Ethereum, um, it was an engineering accomplishment to pull off that merge. It was a lot of work for nothing because they're moving from proof of work, which is great, to something that's, to me, is basically like one share, one vote type of thing or whatever formula they use to bastardize it. But the idea being that the more Ethereum you own, the more you can, the more influence you have in governance of the Ethereum network, which is horrible because over time, what happens, the rich get richer and they increase their power in the Ethereum network. That's what's going to happen. Corey talks about this too. But um, yeah, I, Ethereum did pull off an engineering feat. We would like to have more engineers working on Bitcoin Core and Lightning and so forth. And at least I would and Justin Moon and Jeremy Rubin and others. But not everybody agrees because a lot of people in Bitcoin, just to bring it to a more serious level, they don't want change. So maybe you ossify the, um, the protocol, but not the, you know, you can keep debugging, refactoring if necessary, you know, slowly, conservatively with consensus and a lot, a lot of testing. Taproot, um, just and I'll finish with that. Taproot was approved using speedy trial, which was a way to kind of bypass traditional slow, cumbersome consensus. And that resulted arguably in um, a flaw where it's very easy now for people to do ordinals and inscriptions. That said, uh, Andy Polstra 
Peter Woolley, Warren Tagami, and others, I'm kind of, because I'm not a develop, uh, developer, I do trust these, some of the top developers a little bit um, more than I would like. But they all said that there's nothing we can do about inscriptions and ordinals on the layer one Bitcoin blockchain. Um, all the solutions to kind of get rid of that would be worse than just letting it happen and sort of die on the vine through ignoring it and maybe ridicule and just mocking the silly use of the layer one blockchain. I think I'm, I think I'm following. One thing I will say is that even if I agree with you, by the way, I think the more the more talented engineers are Bitcoin core, which I think what you're talking about specifically, the better. I think it would be ridiculous to suggest that be the case. I also think that, you know, when we talk about Bitcoin, there's Bitcoin core, but then there's the entire Bitcoin ecosystem. And the there's so much exciting stuff being done on top of Bitcoin um, and using the, the, you know, the same technologies. And so even if people are talking about, you know, the, the code base of Bitcoin core should be ossified, there's still the more engineers that are building new things, um, creating things, you know, Separate technology, Noster, but uses some of the same technology. I think the better. I think anyone who says otherwise is deeply, deeply misled. Yeah, I think they they fear um, they they're overly distrustful and paranoid. I would argue about changes that Bitcoin Core developers make, um, thinking that Bitcoin Core devs want to, you know, over tinker when they're trying to do things to, in my mind, the proposals that are going through are improvements, um, pretty much. So, But it takes years and years, and there's so much yeah. review. So even if, the code, even if the code base is ossified, or mostly ossified, you know, the more people, the more idols that are reviewing pull requests to Bitcoin Core, the better. So even if things are moving yeah. slower and slower, the more people that are discussing these changes. Better. So it looks like you have your hands. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I've been thinking about this issue for a long time. I was I, I was not a big player, but I was involved back in the uh, fork wars, block size wars, which was the attempt to get the segregated witness uh, approved uh, into into Bitcoin, and then and then when Taproot came around, it it actually had a very long review period. It, its activation period was this speedy trial, and there were some of us who were trying to get it approved through a UASF. Uh, and, and but the whole debate was about how to activate it, not whether it had vulnerabilities. There was just a tremendous amount of trust put into, well, the core developers developed it and they spent a long time reviewing it, so it must be fine. And a lot of us had a lot of trust in that. The more I think about this, the more I find myself straddling both sides of the equation. When Satoshi created Bitcoin, it actually had more features and to nail it down, he restricted features. He added the block size limitation. Um, he removed certain opcodes because they were exploitable, um, because he was aiming for this unexploitable piece of code. And I, I think now, even when we talk about uh, Bitcoin and educate people, like when I admittedly admit, I fought a war in favor of activating SegWit, which would have this discount with this witness discount and, and these complexities. And I thought we'd be able to explain to people. It adds, a, it adds a substantial layer of complexity to explain how Bitcoin works to people to, uh, to have segregated witness involved. 
And I think that every time we add one of these new features and they're complicated to explain and, and there's issues there, it creates a harder hurdle for the common person to understand what's going on within Bitcoin. And it obviously um, does create a greater attack surface, a greater exploitation surface, which is what we ultimately saw with ordinals being able to use the taproot witness space with expanded and the segregated witness thing. So the, just the space of what you have to think about for unintended use cases, unintended consequences, when you add something new, that is always greater. And it's, it, I think it kind of gets exponentially greater. So I'm just, I'm of the view, I'm not saying like under no circumstances, but I'm of the view, we really have to think about every one of these changes. Hard. We can't just look at what's the obvious benefit. We have to look at what are the hidden costs? What are the hidden downsides? And so I'll always continue from now on, like very cautious and looking, not you know, acknowledging the benefits, but also wary for the downsides and, and exploring those because it's a package deal that you get when you take these two things together. And we, and we don't want to create a vulnerability for the sake of a slightly improved way to build a vault uh, on chain. So that's, and we can do a lot of development on other layers, which is probably the best place to do it. Like if, if we at all think we can, that's where we should. Agree. Oh, Wicked, go ahead. And then I want to get to announcements. But Wicked, please, do you have the floor? So, so I think, I mean, with these updates, it's also important to think to yourself, I mean, what does success mean for Bitcoin? And what is it that we're actually trying to achieve with Bitcoin, you know, specifically base layer Bitcoin? Um, and what is it that we can achieve on, on, you know, second layers, uh, given the constraints of the base layer? I mean, I think one could argue that, you know, the, the development on second layers wouldn't be as, maybe wouldn't be possible, but definitely wouldn't be as easy without some of these more recent updates like SegWit and Taproot, right? I mean, I think Lightning would have been, um, if not, if not impossible, a giant headache, right? from my understanding. So, I mean, there's, there's some updates that need to be made on the base layer if we want to push these other things onto second layers. And I mean, this is assuming that we are defining Bitcoin success as a network that can scale at the very, you know, I mean, maybe not, maybe not self-custody scale, but like payments scale, right? I mean, what are we trying to do here with Bitcoin? What are we trying to build? Um, and, and, you know, and what features are better for second layers, but need updates on the base layer to actually work. So these are all questions that, you know, we're constantly struggling with, I think. Excellent. Okay. Um, we can continue this conversation. We are going to start on the macro stuff in a few minutes, but, um, let me do some announcements real quick. Uh, one second. As I read from my teleprompter called, uh, may, 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 not, may or may not be the document, Cafe Bitcoin, it, you're listening to Cafe Bitcoin, the place for morning news and preferred hangout for some of the smartest minds in the industry, some of whom are on stage today. Thank you so much for joining. Um, our podcast is on Fountain, Spotify, and Apple. We are helping with a crowdfunding campaign where all proceeds, 100%, beyond production costs, go to Bitcoin Core and open source lightning development. I love this. We just talked about the importance of Bitcoin Core. There's a 2014 article by Bitstein called Everyone is a Scammer. 
You can find us on nakamotoinstitute.org. Uh, Jacob, if you have time, please post in the nest if you haven't yet. And this is the number one article I recommend to noobs often back in the clubhouse days in person uh, and in DMs and on Twitter all the time. It's a great read because it's all about the Bitcoin ethos of don't trust, verify. And it's read by Guy Swan and is now on vinyl. So please pick up your vinyl copy, make a donation. Juno Bitcoin Bootcamp in Alaska on May 6th. Alex will be remoting in alongside our Sam Callahan, Don Bay, who's on stage with us and our good friend, Dennis Porter, Andy Pitts, uh, Bitcoin VC, and Greg Foss and Natalie Brunel, also Team Swan. It will feature union leaders, native corporation executives, and legislators. Okay, um, I'm, there's something about BitList featured business. I'm not sure, quite sure what that means. But there, we, we're going to talk about a featured job listing on BitcoinerJobs.com. Those of you who want to work at a Bitcoin-only company, um, you can go to BitcoinerJobs.com and look to find a job. Right now, the job we want to highlight is the director of marketing in Swan Global Wealth. We are hiring an experienced director of marketing to be a key member of Swan's Global Wealth team, focusing on creating and launching marketing campaigns, driving lead gen, and coordinating product launches with our awesome VP of product, Jeremy Showalter, uh, Zach Coletta, myself, the director of marketing should, and others. The director of marketing should have years of marketing experience, content creation, project management, and more. We're also looking for a new head of client services. One of my favorite people at Swan is Reed Womack, who will be taking a break to spend time with his uh, family. If you're a Bitcoiner, this is your chance to contribute to the daily mission of Bitcoin adoption in a tangible way. You will manage the team that helps people and entities adopt Bitcoin and increase their exposure to Bitcoin through their investment portfolios, corporate treasury accounts, retirement accounts, etc. It's a highly visible, highly rewarding leadership role that will manage a high-performing and growing team. One of the key parts, client-facing, I think we're rebranding it as a Bitcoin adoption team. Um, and so please apply. We really need someone good in that position. Super important, super fun. I love working at Swan Bitcoin. Rafa Hoffa um, just talked about and posted about, who's our CIO, he posted about how if you knew how hard people at Swan were working, you would be 10x more bullish. I could not agree more. It's a great team. Incredible to work with people on a mission led by Corey uh, Brady, he, our president and CRO, and Jan Pritzker, our CTO and co-founder. Incredible team, and everybody there is aligned on a mission. We're all authentically, you know, ourselves, but we're all aligned on a mission to make Bitcoin better and do what's right for Bitcoin. And we believe in Swan. So it's super cool. Please apply. Okay. No more announcements. That's it. There's one other thing I just want to jump. I think you, it's in that copy, but you forgot to read it, which is yeah, fun sure. fact. Everyone at Swan knows karate. And... Each of those jobs <laughs> is um, the director of marketing role mistaken. You have to be at least a brown belt. And uh, the the head of client services, I think you have to be 
I think you have to be a black belt, which doesn't make sense to me because, you know, there are different rules, but that's the way it is. It's super cool. We just punch each other all the time in the background. I'm just thinking about the old movie Game of Death. Is that how you get promotions? You have to go like up to the second level and then like up to the third. You got to beat each boss. Yeah, for sure. No one has ever beaten Corey Clifton in, uh, in karate. And I think that's the right term too. It's, it's, it's beating. I mean, he can do the one, the one inch punch thing, the five finger of death and just like throw people across the room. Uh, even through their computer. I didn't want to realize that. There's also one other thing, Terrence. I noticed when you were reading at the top, you said yeah. um, the great thing about these rooms <laughs> is that we have some of the smartest pointers, but you really emphasize the word some. It felt like an insult. I just wanted to let you know that personally. But uh, we can talk about well, later. Yeah, um, we weren't talking. I wasn't thinking of you in that. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll talk about it over games. Uh, no, but obviously we're not going to have all of them, right? Like we're not going to have Adam back and, you know, just everybody every time. <laughs> so he's busy at the moment. I don't know if you noticed. Yeah, he might be busy uh, running one of the most important and best Bitcoin companies in the world called Blockstream. Or on a, on a shitcoin space. Does he do that? I, I know some of us do. It's on that. a shitcoin space right now. Oh, okay. Ice cold. I didn't know that. Damn. Yeah. I feel I, I'm going to take that personally. He doesn't know where the fuck I am. I take it personally anyway. Why not? You see that book in my uh, in my hand? It's called The Four Agreements. We can't be taking shit personally, guys. Come on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, I do need to, to read that. Um, or maybe just have ChatGPT do a shitty summary. Probably worse than the Amazon previews. Um, Chris, just you know, you know, I can't read. Why would you bring it in front of so many people? Fuck that, man. Yeah, yeah. But you know karate, so that's good. Gazala from Riot, I see you in the audience. Uh, throwing you an invite. Okay, it is 8.02. We are just about to start Swan Bitcoin Macro Fridays, um, where Stephen Luca good friend, awesome colleague, head of Swan Private Client, and myself and the rest of you all will be uh, hopefully shifting to macro in a bit. Do we want to finish up on what we were talking about earlier? Did folks have comments to the excellent um, comments that were made, or reactions to excellent comments made by Wicked and Tomer earlier on Bitcoin Core, Layer 1, Layer 2, etc.? I would just have maybe one more comment. And I think Please. this this idea of consensus is one that's like, it's not, it's not easily defined. And I think we're still trying to figure it all out, right? And it's not something that you can just put your finger on and like, this is what consensus is. That's part of what makes Bitcoin so interesting is that it is truly decentralized and there's no one, there's no like, you know, one saying like, this is what consensus is. Uh, I think the kind of the most interesting or not most interesting, what an interesting example of, of this was a recent, that recent um, speedy proposal with BIP you know, 11.9 and just how that whole thing went down, right? It's so like we were talking about how speedy proposal was used for Taproot and that may or may not have been a, an issue. But I thought it was really interesting that, you know, a short time after it was used kind of in a, in a way that some may have seen as an attack, right? And 
very quickly shut down on a social layer, right? Like socially, we all were like, uh, no, <laughs> you know, and then like it failed. So it's just, yeah, it's really interesting just to go and watch how this all unfolds uh, just in terms of consensus. Also, run your own node. Yes. And with that being said, since it is the top of the hour, if you don't mind, guys, we're going to go ahead and smash by. And if you want to, let's do it. Let's do it for the good old days, guys. Smash by. I'm going to go, go ahead and purchase some coin, guys. And if you want to, please go ahead and do so and leave a screenshot in the chat below. The screenshot, and it's someone from StackJoin here. Tao, I see you in the audience. Can you come up and teach us how to? Man, I can uh, teach you how to do a stack join. What the fuck, Terrence? I'm right here. Oh, sorry, Peter. I thought you were busy doing your off-piece helicopter skiing, so I never know when you're in the helicopter or skiing down. The okay. So, so, powder. so, we can start this. We can start this at any time, but I just get up saying that you want to cut. That's true. Do it. Embrace the darkness. If y'all are going to so, post screenshots, uh, don't post any toy? identifying go information. Swan, go to the Swan. Uh, go to the Swan app, and you you purchase. Go ahead and purchase some Bitcoin. And after you purchase some Bitcoin, you tap on the bottom of the app, and eventually, as if you tap around, it's kind of hard to find. But as you tap around, at least it's hard to find for me because I'm a freaking boomer, and I still don't know where exactly to tap. So I just start tapping, and the screen changes. Eventually, it'll come up and it'll say stack join on your, your little purchase screen. And then what you do is you just click the share button. It'll take you to a tweet. It'll automatically, uh, uh, or the, it'll, excuse me, it'll automatically pop populate the stack join into the tweet. And then all you do is send out the tweet. It's pretty simple, actually. It's pretty cool functionality. Oh, does and by the way. Many, does it show how many ahead. stats you bought? No, you can hide that. Well, um, yeah, you, yeah. It, it, does it, it show the dollar it. amount, right? Doesn't it show the dollar amount? Um, With a timestamp? I have to go back and look at it. But the other thing you can do is once you've created the the uh, image, you can you can save, if you, you don't want that, you can save that image. You can go ahead and and, and obfuscate the, the amount of sats for OPSEC. And then yeah. you can um, share it and tweet it that way. You just have to add uh, hashtag stack join to the tweet. And by the way, okay. there was a stack made. I don't need to find stack, the tip of the stack chain. Terrence, let me finish here, please. Because there was a seven <laughs> plus Bitcoin stack made on stack chain by an anonymous uh, stack chainer yesterday. Allegedly. No. No, no, we saw the receipt. I don't think there's anything alleged really, about it. Really good at Photoshop. It was two hundred eight thousand. Was it a screenshot, Peter? It was a screenshot. Say again? I said, was it a screenshot, Peter? Okay. You know what? Here's the deal. If somebody wants to stack wash or, or wants to stack some false thing, that's okay because they're the only fucking losers. The game is all about stacking sats in community and stacking more sats than you would have had you not been in that community. And that's what we do. Do I... I mean, I don't care about my OPSEC. I'm a boomer, for God's sake. I was around when we didn't even use passwords. It offered you the yeah. ability to not but even use a password. Or new I world, used admin. Or okay. one Old world is dead. No, inside voice. Admin inside voice. Three for my password in the early 90s, for God's sakes. I mean, come on. In any case, all one has to do 
to join a, a bunch of retarded memers and shit posters and have fun stacking sats is come to stack chain and all of you know that because most of you have actually seen it it's pretty crazy your notifications will blow up okay so i posted my in the nest my stack join did i do it right i don't need to find the tip of the spear or whatever tip of the i just it, it shows up as stack join april 28 2023 a hundred dollars because I'm poor. Uh, hey. Yeah, you're only poor because you spend too much money at those I, private YouTube shows. Yes, you did it. No, hold yeah. on. Let's see. Did you tweet that out? Uh, yeah, I you did it exactly yeah, I, correctly. Yeah. Yes, you did it exactly correct. Awesome. Yeah, you're a good teacher. It's like uh, Shaq O'Neal. If you're really bad at free throws, you know everything about it and you can teach it to others. Thank you, Peter. That was sort of a compliment. That was intense. Shout out to everybody that just smashed by. Yeah. So I have a confession. When Bitcoin Chris used to do this on Clubhouse, I would I knew it was coming, so I would just buy in advance. <laughs> I love it. You front run everybody. <laughs> love yeah. it. What uh, a front runner. Absolutely. That was a dick. Look, Bitcoin Bitcoin is for enemies. Yeah. It, we're, we're friends, but we also, you know, are out for ourselves. But yeah, B Bitcoin is about ultimately about something much bigger than yourselves. And that's what makes it great. No movement is successful unless it's about people believing in something much bigger than themselves. Read uh, about Shackleton. And, and I, I do want to say that I have joined community called stack chain it doesn't mean that people need to join a community called stack chain but i think that the more people that join community and actually in person or at least in some kind of way communicate amongst themselves it just drives people to um, stack more sats really does and i would suggest to anybody whatever community that you can find however you can find it if it is a, if it is an only bitcoin community participate Yes. It's good to put especially in new person, people in but... communities like that. Um, yeah. Chain or other things to walk through. Actually, really, really good. It helps. Goddamn truck. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, it helps because it's a fun community. People don't understand Bitcoin. You're like, hey, there's a whole bunch of people playing if you want to get into it. And they'll kind of learn if they just jump in there. I've found some of the people at my meetup, that's been like their flavor of what they want to be part of. Because most people, when they come out, it isn't just money they're looking for. They're looking for other humans to talk to about this. And a lot of them don't know where to start. Yeah, it's all about connection and community. I find, especially coming out of the pandemic where some of us had to or were forced to kind of stay home a lot and not socialize, which is ridiculous. Speaking of which, welcome Stephen Luca, head of Swan Private Client. Great friends. And are you walking, Stephen? I'm always walking, Terrence. How do you think I get these <laughs> I love steps it. then? You can't, you can't hit 25K steps are, a day are you gonna, always walking. Okay, so just real quick. Are you going to maybe um, walk, try to break the Guinness Book of World Records? Because I think you can break it based on even just your average if you just take it up a notch. And 
I, I forget what my, the um, is. I, I think generally right. hit more like miles per day than the world record holder. But the yes. thing is, is he did it for like 11 years or something. Oh, so oh, there's like a, okay, never there's mind. like a time component. So like I walk That's enough, insane. but I would need to like track Can it. And is there a record for like most amount walked in a year or maybe in a month? But maybe you could do that. I tried to find it, but there's just like this longest right. walk. And the issue is like this dude is significantly more badass than me because he like walked yeah. across the world, not around <laughs> Southeast Florida. You know, so yeah. it's a it's a different it, it's slightly different, but it like makes me feel good about my distance. I like it nice. He literally walked across the floor of the ocean, like just like walking <laughs> everywhere. Fuck you guys. He doesn't care. He won't take any other form of travel. Also, I want to welcome Alex Stage, who is the normal host of Cafe Bitcoin. I think Terrence like drugged him this morning and then took over while he wasn't looking. Uh, I did do that, but it, I must say he uh, he consented. So I'm a consenting I, I, Consent is always important. Yeah. <laughs> No, I do. Actually, I super appreciate it because these days, these Fridays are really good for me. Like, uh, it's a really good time to recharge and yeah. get some stuff done. So, yeah, it's awesome. So, I'm just kind of chilling, listening. Thanks, guys, for, for hosting and running the show. Somebody yeah, else. They're welcome. just sitting in silence now. Uh, Alex, let's talk here. You may not. All right, my microphone. Steven, yeah, are you talking? I can't hear you. I'm not talking. But what one thing I do want, if someone in the audience or maybe you, Stephen, can find the video, if this is okay. Stephen did not know I was going to do this. There is a video or, or sorry, a post on Instagram or TikTok of the track that Stephen made from walking in a big loop around his backyard um, posted by his roommate where he's walked the same path so much. <laughs> There's like, a, you know, a lawn with a, dirt path through it where you can see like it's often worn a damn pathway into the yard yeah even like one of those like one of the cows or the horses out there and i get the paths out there in the yard cool okay let's jump into macro fridays i want to lead with i think we are still in a higher for longer scenario one of my favorite recent follows is Bob Elliott, who it was on the investment committee at Bridgewater, our president and CRO, Geese, uh, worked with him, and he will be on, uh, we hope, a SWAN event soon. He's agreed to it. It's just a matter of finding the right time and, uh, and moderator and co-panelist or whatever. So Bob Elliott. Um, has been posting and even his replies. So I, he's one of the few people I have all notifications turned on for him because when he posts or replies to a tweet, it's almost always something that's high signal and with a lot of um, facts, graphs, insights that people might not have thought about. So not just on Bitcoin Twitter, but also FinTwit, a lot of people have been doomsdaying pivot bros talking about how the Fed's going to pivot. They've been wrong for over a year now. And it looks like based on the most recent um, housing data, so housing spending has gone down, obviously. It's a horrible market with high rates, high interest rates. So your mortgage rates are much higher. So your monthly payments, if you buy a house, 
is much higher and housing prices still haven't come down yet or not much. So the amount of spend on housing is declining, but less than expected. That's number one. Number two, jobs remain strong. And number three, and this is sad and not surprising to me, but Jerome Powell, this is according to Zero Hedge, and I'll post these in the nest when I get a chance, or if you're free, Jacob, it's in the notion. I added them at the end of the news um, segment. Um, if you can post those in the nest, that'd be awesome, Jacob. But um, anyway, the last part I want to mention before uh, Stephen and others respond is Jerome Powell was caught um, talking to these impersonators who pretended they were, one of them was pretending to be the president of Ukraine. And Jerome Powell said, number one, we're going to hike two more times, something he never revealed publicly, which is total bullshit, right? Like, why are you talking to someone who's not even American? You work for the people of the United States of America. Fuck you. I'm sorry. Pisses me off. And you're telling him what you're going to do and you won't tell us, even though, you know, reporters and others would be like, you're going to hike two more times, right? Because that's what we're hearing. Like, deny, 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 the data dependent, all this bullshit. And then he said, uh, and... The only way we know how to get inflation down is to have the job market cool off so wages cool off, meaning he wants Americans fucking fired so that he can control inflation. And until America, more Americans are laid off and fucking fired, he's just going to keep raising rates. What the fuck? Your job is to avoid, to, to protect the American people. That is your fucking job as a public servant. I'm sorry, but this just really pisses me off. Okay, with that... Um, dramatic uh, lead-in. David, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, has well, had at least four cups of coffee this morning. Uh, at least no, four. I oh. only need one. I am a lightweight. <laughs> not so not true. He made an appointment with his private Gucci. I, I'm gonna, I hate you so much. Stephen, go ahead. So I think two things. One is, uh, I think you nailed it, right? So you said Jerome Powell works for the American people. So what does that mean? Well, it obviously means the Ukrainian people. No, I'm kidding. Um, so what it's it's interesting because what we see here is I, I, I just see it as this beleaguered, outdated economics that we look at as like the way in which we control inflation is by getting people fired, creating, you know, a recession. It reminds me of bloodletting. You know what I mean? Like in the past, right? Like, you know, medical treatment was like, oh, you know, you're sick. Well, we're going to put leeches on. And that was just commonly accepted as, a, you know, a viable medical treatment for many things that obviously it's not. And I, I, I just think we're using this crude, simplistic model of economics where we think that I mean, there's so many assumptions baked into it, right? First of all, obviously, the assumption that it's worth it. It's worth it to make tons of people lose their jobs to bring inflation down a point or two. Um, but second, that like that these instruments are in any way finely calibrated and that the Fed has, you know, any ability to truly manage inflation. I had, I had shared a tweet the other day of um, some statistical analysis that had been done, uh, basically showing that rate hikes do not reduce inflation. Absent fiscal um, 
cutbacks. So if the, if the government doesn't stop spending money, the rate hikes are relatively pointless. They do not. And in fact, they are inflationary, um, absent fiscal cutbacks. So if the treasury, if the government and the treasury, if they do fiscal cutbacks, then they work. But if they don't, and they aren't, then they don't work. And I don't know how we got into this position where, you know, you can be like, okay, like fiat system, fiat system, but this is even within the fiat framework, like how nobody is essentially like these things go completely unquestioned. They go completely unquestioned. It's just assumed that these simplistic models work and the people that pay the price are just normal people who lose their jobs in an ineffective battle against inflation. Yep. I want to. Can you guys hear me? Okay, cool. I can. Perfect. Terrence, I wanted to say you, you can't be, it's 2023. You can't be so naive to think that the American, that these governments elected, the government officials elected by the Americans actually work for us now. We got to stop being naive. It's 2023 now. Um, I think we need to, you know, get our head out of our asses or head out of the sand, right? Because, you know, their goal is to do what's best for the elite, right? So I think uh, Stephen was referring to, you know, um, I think Stephen is absolutely correct. They're, they're doing all these things and it's not really going to solve the inflation problem. It's like a slingshot, right? They're going to cause all this damage, right? They're going to fire all, all these Americans going to get hurt. And then you know what they're going to do at the end of the day? They're still going to print more money. So it actually exacerbates the situation. Um, so I don't. I think we need to stop being so naive. Um, you know, Elizabeth Warren is another great example of, you know, someone who doesn't really understand technology and is pushing this false narrative, right? And we pay her, right? All these tax dollars go to all these politicians that are not in the favor of the actual people. And it's not just me saying this, guys. This is actually what they do. They've been doing it. And a lot of Americans are, in my opinion, super soft. Like over in over in Europe, you know what they're doing to Macron and they're rioting over over shit that they believe in. Americans just we don't do shit. We sit on fucking Twitter and tweet about it like we need to get our heads out our asses or opt out with Bitcoin. Yep, I totally agree with all of that. Like, you know, the more they print and the more damage they do to the middle class, believe it or not, the richer they get. This is all a wealth transfer mechanism. If they can decimate the middle class, guess what the middle class has to do? Well, they have to sell their property and their stuff. Guess who gets to buy it? The people benefiting from the Cantillon effect. So I 100% agree with what Chris was saying. So I have a question to ask uh, the people up here. Terrence uh, talked about the... Um, the, the really, there's not really been a decrease in people purchasing homes. So mortgages are still being generated, which means that money is still being created out of thin air by banks. Um, and my question is, is how many of these loans are arms and in a higher for longer um, kind of environment, doesn't that just push the window for for when people get wrecked out
You mean the consequences of hire for longer? Well, yeah, because if you've yeah. got if you're, so, you're, uh-huh. if you're coming in and you're purchasing a home based on an arm because you can get a much lower rate than you get these yeah. a thirty year. So the, the good thing is, uh, one quote unquote good thing is in the U.S., most people have fixed rate mortgages after the two thousand eight debacle, where we had liars loans and fucking countrywide, and other mortgage underwriters either. Um, you could say they lost shopping. Their their, like they would just have their loan applications. They would tell borrowers to lie about their income, or they they themselves would add an extra zero to their income, so they would qualify for million dollar homes despite making forty fucking thousand dollars a year. I I did um, that. The mortgage the mortgage I, broker told me he said he said what's your income, and I told him, he said no. What's your income really? And then I told him, they said, no, 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 no. Really? What's your income? Wow. <laughs> yeah, this goes right back. And this goes right back, man. I could, I, hey, guys, good to see you. Man, do you still own that house? Who? <laughs> no. no. Okay. This takes me back, and it's great to watch almost once a week, man. The big short. My God, the ninja loans, no income, no job, whatever. They were they were just giving that stuff out, dude. And, the big sure it was so good. Oh, so good. and when you have now, it's getting to a point now. I don't think I saw a couple of days ago. People with question higher credit on scores. The panel, um, the inflation. Oh, yeah, man, excuse me. The... Hey, uh, Chris, I don't think you were able to. Uh, yeah, I don't think you were able to hear uh, Pubby. If you want to come back and rejoin. I bet. Yeah, but wait. Did you see this just a couple of days ago? You're now penalized. Penalized for having a good credit score when you go to get a mortgage. You're going to yeah. get more favorable terms. And if you this is in California. I thought that was a joke. For... No, no, dude. It's no joke, man. It's, California. it's insane. Wait, sorry. How does that work? Because I saw that. So I was like, I, I genuinely don't understand it. So let me throw something out because there was a lot of stuff going around on this. So it, it's it's real, but there's a caveat. It's. People were interpreting it as like they were seeing something like a 1.5% increase in fees and they were taking that as an increase in your in your borrowing rate, which would be like astronomical. Um, it, it works out to like, from what I've read, it's generally like $40 a month. So it's still a completely weird policy and it's, you know, it, it's, you know, it has terrible incentives, but it is significantly lower in terms of like I saw tweets that people were saying like, you know, four hundred dollars a month, not forty. In either case, it, we are in a very bad spot here, and yeah, you know what? I I feel bad for anyone. I, I was telling a friend the other day, um, I could not afford to live in my neighborhood now at these rates and prices compared to one I did buy. And that's the shame of it all, man. People getting pushed it's out crazy. there. Yeah, but it's you, crazy. Yeah, but here's the thing. What they don't tell you is, yes, and I wish so, if someone has a reference, let me know, is that what percentage of people's monthly income is going to their mortgage before you could, pay, if you're just using 20%, 25 I, I guarantee there's people that are putting half of their income just into a mortgage. I guarantee it. If someone has a yep. good one, let me know, man. But it's getting insane. Well, People have, have no s- money for anything. Have you seen that there is a substantial, I forget the exact number, but I saw this article the other day that uh, a substantial number of Americans are actually buying groceries on credit right now. 
that's really concerning to me. Yeah, buy now, pay later. That's not good. So it's not just credit cards. They're doing these buy now, pay later things. For groceries. Yes, (laughs) for groceries. You know what they say, extending credit makes the economy grow. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's a big problem. We need to give everybody credit for groceries. If everybody just bought all of their groceries on credit, we would grow GDP. Okay, quick question before Joe goes. Uh, Did you guys do announcements? Did you talk about Pacific Uh, Uh, Miami or anything? Uh, We did announcements and then it said in the um my uh quasi teleprompter stop making <laughs> announcements so we'll do right. the second part of two two quick things we, i don't p did you yeah, talk yeah. about milena yet did you tell anybody no no, no i'm no, telling no. him okay i'm announcing it yeah. right now so we just found out that milena mayorga the ambassador to the united states from el salvador is going to be coming to hang out at swan house if you are a Swan private client, you're going to Miami, uh, Bitcoin Miami 2023. Make sure you hook up with your Swan private managing director and find out about that because it's going to be really cool. That's one thing. Second thing is it's looking pretty likely we're going to do a range day. If you're interested in that, shoot me a DM. I'll shoot you the details. Pun intended. I went last year. It's a lot of fun. Haha. <laughs> Let's see what you did there. Yeah, way to go, man. I was so excited that you uh, were able to connect. Uh, and then make it happen, man. It's going to be fantastic. Is it all private weapons, Alex? What are you guys shooting over there at the range? Yeah, it's all private weapons. Like, uh, I mean, we're bringing, uh, it's going to be handguns. We're bringing a, a bunch. So you don't, you can be a beginner. You don't have to know anything. We're providing the instructor, instructors, the range safety officers, the firearms, the gear. You just pay the range fee and ammo. And we will do a safety briefing and all that other kind of stuff. So if you want to learn, it's going to be a great time to do it. If you want to bring your own firearm, you can. But we're going to safety check you and make sure you know what the hell you're doing. If you're doing holster and all that kind of stuff. Joe, what do you got? Hey, so I wanted to pull on something that somebody was saying in a thread that about the adjustable rates. So, um, you know, consumers got pretty savvy after the, the great financial crisis where we topped out with the arm rates around 22%. Um, right now we're, we're trending down to six or 7% of all new originations. And one of the problems for the Fed and its hiking cycle here is that as of the data available in February, we know that 94%, again, 94% of all mortgages in the United States are fixed under 4%. That is a massive boon to an economy when you have real wages growing where they're at, because effectively when the Fed is doing their hiking cycle, who are you really putting stress on? You're putting stress on who owns that paper i.e. banks, which is what we've seen through the, the, the issues, they're the ones exposed. It's not consumers. When, you, when the Fed hikes 75 and 75 and your mortgage payment doesn't go up, it's fixed. Fixed at a certain amount. Um, so what it does is it effectively freezes the real estate market because you have very little new mortgages and you have very few people selling because they don't want to have to go out and get a new mortgage at a much higher rate. 
So they're, they're, they're effectively locked into their homes. And that's what you've seen in the real estate market. You've seen just transactions freeze up as opposed to a fire sale. Fire sales can only occur really when you have, you know, either a death, that's the number one reason people sell real estate, or number two, they lose their jobs. So without unemployment rising, you're not going to see this, you know, mass sale sell off in the, uh, in the real estate market that many are expecting. You, unemployment is really the, the whole key. And if for structural reasons, boomers leaving the workforce and uh, dearth of population growth, uh, you have unemployment remain relatively tight. The Fed is really going to make it high percent. All they're going to do is just freeze certain markets. Um, so the only I think I really think the point is really key that somebody brought up about uh, about the arms. The fact that consumers have categorically rejected arms following the great financial crisis has helped strengthen their balance, strengthen their household balance sheets. That's a great point, Joe, and it, it gives me a lot of pleasure when I wake up in the morning. To it's prior to this hiking cycle. I would wake up and I'd know that I was fucking the banks by holding Bitcoin. But now when I wake up, I know I'm also fucking the banks by holding a 2.8% mortgage. So it's like double win for me. They're financing that transaction, right? Because think about where inflation's at. Think about where CPI's at. And think of your mortgage rate. The delta between those two numbers is, a sex, is essentially you being subsidized to live in your house. Every day I sit in my house, some baker takes a loss and that's just a win. Peter. By the way, Anders, I see you in the audience. Uh, we're going to try to bring you up. But Peter, go ahead. I was just saying that there's there's some people asking about where to tap on the screen when they do the stack joint on the app. You tap on the Satoshi Nakamoto name, and you just keep tapping there until it flips through and you see stack chain or excuse me stack joint, and then you tap on the share button, and that'll auto populate into the tweet, and then you tweet it. So it's been cool. Um, I'm kind of bring up a topic. It's been amazing seeing Bitcoin have a consistent relationship to some of these banking woes. Um, because in the past, you know, I think I think something that now I don't agree that this is true. I've written and done podcasts about this very question, uh, but a lot of people felt like, hey, there was this narrative 2021, 20, 22 Bitcoin as an inflation hedge, and people feel like, oh, it didn't play out. Now, that's wrong, in my opinion, because if you bought Bitcoin the day they announced the monetary expansion at all points after you were up substantially more than the rate of inflation, right? What where people kind of felt disillusioned is like they bought it at 50K thinking, you know, as CPI was going from four to seven percent and, you know, saying, hey, like, where's the inflation hedge? Well, markets are forward. Look, you can't, you know, you can't buy it after all of the inflationary impulses have taken place. That being said, so just context there. But so people felt like that narrative, you know, didn't play out. It is very encouraging to see Bitcoin having a consistent response to these financial woes, because I think for people on the outside of the community, for capital allocators, for people that are looking at this, they're seeing an emerging relationship, right? It's kind of short amount of data. But um, they're seeing an emerging relationship where Bitcoin is um, going up substantially during times where there's turmoil in, in other markets. But and Steven, I think that's 
Yeah. <laughs> Most asset classes have gone up. I mean, you've got, look at the queues since the, the bank, since Silicon Valley went, they're up like 12%. Is there sure. a relationship between the queues, uh, you know, the NASDAQ 100 and, and, and the banking woes? Sure. I mean, yes, there has been. I mean, so on a smaller time frame, there were plenty of days where markets, equity markets were down and Bitcoin was green three, five percent. So on smaller time frames, we did see more granular like divergences there. However, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like the queues are up. They have gone up. Either way, Bitcoin has been more linear. It has been more in more of a direct response to that, in my opinion, seeing those days. And either way, you know, it also has outperformed. It's been a good asset to hold in those circumstances. In a world where we're trying to tell people, hey, Bitcoin is something you want to own if there are financial difficulties. Now, I obviously agree, like, you know, if the stock market crashes 50%, like Bitcoin's going down, not up. I'm not saying it rises in every circumstance where, you know, there are financial difficulties, but there are many where I believe, and I think most people in the community do, that it does. And I think that looks more credible now than it has. Great points. Welcome, Dr. Jeff Ross, to the stage. Was hoping to get your thoughts on macro and anything that's been said uh, just now. Hey, morning, Terrence. Morning. A good conversation. I, I don't think you want my thoughts. I think. Uh, no, I do. We all do. Tell us. I'm very happy when you join the stage. That sounded very bearish. I know. Okay. I'm getting, very I'm, bearish. I'm getting my bearish vibe want, back. I gotta be honest. Let's fucking go. Um, okay, I'll try to be brief and then, uh, you know, people can take me apart. I think we're, uh, I think, uh, so we just got through most of big tech earnings and last week was big bank earnings and they were the two, I think, bright spots in this season. Um, and I think markets have responded in kind. I also think markets have continued to ride the high of the liquidity injection, uh, which since uh, I think it's March 15th high has been slowly dwindling again. So liquidity here in the U.S. It's 42%. Yeah. yeah, right on. So so as Joe says, so so liquidity, which I'm a big fan of, and I think that drives risk asset prices. Uh, and I do think, and I don't consider Bitcoin a risk asset, but it does drive uh, um, Bitcoin's price as well, at least in that. Um, well, it, I think it does. Um, so if, if, if you believe that as I do, and then you look at what liquidity is doing, it is quickly, uh, receding again. So it's like this big tidal wave came in and now it's washing back and washing away. Uh, it usually risk assets usually follow liquidity with about a one to two month lag, one to two lag. Uh, and so I just think that we're, we're experiencing a month end market, uh, today. And then I think based on the, what I look at, I think May is setting up to be really ugly um, kind of across the board. So that's just my take. Um, I'm not optimistic. Uh, I do think that this recession could, could string out. I'm not saying we're at the edge of the precipice, but I do think in the near term, the next couple of weeks uh, generally look not good for risk assets. Hey, Jeff, do you think that uh, they'll announce after the bell today that uh, First Republic's going down? I think so, Joe. I you mean, see this this price action? I mean, it looks like it's going down. Looks it like looks it's like dead. it's it's trying to die. It's on it's on it's life support, close. and I think the, the plug gets pulled this week. Oh, so, man. Joe, I would love to hear I, your I guys' thoughts. 
Go for it. Oh, real quick. Hey, Joe. So I want to I want to drill down a little bit further. So do you think there are any differences in the way Bitcoin has responded to, to this versus tech stocks? Like, do you think there are any any notable qualities that differ or do you see it as part of the same impulse and there's really nothing separating them? So I've done research on this painstakingly through most of 2018, going back to the inception of Bitcoin. Um, what I found that it, among all asset classes, and each, uh, I actually ran the same number without it recently, just inclusion. But um, the most sensitive uh, correlation, uh, negative correlation uh, between uh, Bitcoin and its price action response to volatility. When volatility is rising, as measured by any volatility metric, bond volatility, VIX um, uh, is my preferred measure of it in the broader indices. Um, what tends to happen, Bitcoin uh, performs poorly. Um, when you have a high volatility regime like we did in 2022, Bitcoin really struggles. But when when Bitcoin when you have a low volatility regime, Bitcoin does ex exceedingly well. Um, and you've seen that with Bitcoin's price action over the last uh, several weeks and days, as volatility has continued to decrease, uh, Bitcoin has tended to do very well. And if you go back and even look historically, like in 2017, within a day or two of when volatility, realized volatility hit the all-time low in recorded human history as measured by the VIX, um, Bitcoin like tops, right, in, at, above 1906. Uh, and, and this has been consistent throughout um, you know, Bitcoin's history, even going back to the real early days, 2012, 2013, uh, when you first got some solid exchanges, uh, you you see this real strong correlation. So what I would say this: um, in in high volatility moments, I expect Bitcoin to perform uh, not well, uh, just as measured by you know liquidity and and things Jeff was talking about. Liquidity gets pulled, but when you have a lower volatility regime, Bitcoin does exceedingly well. But with respect to like the banks and that sort of area, I think it's just kind of a story. It's kind of like the the story people tell, like, you know, institutional money's coming in or, or XYZ. I mean, it, they're, they're little narratives that we sort of pull out and there's just not much data behind them. Um, you know, we've had bank collapses in the past. We had bank collapses in 2016 where Bitcoin was performing very poorly. Um, you know, you, you've got a whole history of stuff that you can go through. And I think it's until you see consistent data over like quarters, it's very hard for me to buy that narrative. So a few things there, like, I obviously don't disagree with, I, I'm sure you did a very thorough job running that data and I don't disagree with any of those, you know, the, what you observed there, but there, there is a difference. And I know it's, 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 I know, I know I'm like setting up an impossible task and saying this, so just bear with me because it is, it is impossible to know on like a causation basis, what caused the move, but we are, we are talking about correlations and it makes me think it makes me think of this quote by an early neuroscientist of like finding a tumor which destroys speech is not the same as finding speech itself. And it makes me think of that in a certain way, because like there's an outside and an inside view. And the outside view is like we can look at the data and we can look at the correlations and we can say that things are only proven over long periods of time once the data lines up with observation. But like on the inside view and like. And like, you know, I, I lead the, the wealth team for Swan. So like, I see the insight for you. Like, those are the reasons people were coming in to buy. Like, those are verbally the reasons that family offices were saying, hey, we're buying Bitcoin now 
because of this reason. And like, we can say like those narratives are like constructed after the fact, or those narratives are like different than the data, they're qualitative, they're not quantitative, but also those narratives are what motivate human behavior. Like those narratives are what motivate human action. Like people, like I, I, I think the number of market actors that are purely quantitative, I think is a modern phenomena for one. And I think it is like a few people and B, I think many of those people are lying to themselves. Like, I'm not saying everybody is, but I think many people who think they are like purely quantitative, like nevertheless are influenced by this softer world of human narrative. So like, I don't know, it's, it's difficult for me to see human actors like deploying large amounts of capital with this being their reason. And, and to say like, well, because the correlation, you know, looks different, that didn't happen. Yeah, I would just say that I reject the notion that the majority of the price action in Bitcoin is a response to spot purchases by retail or even hedge funds or even institutions. What, what In reality, the data we have, and Jump, Jump Trading's got some good data on this, most of the uh, price action in Bitcoin, and we were talking about this the other day, is driven by leverage and derivatives and traders. Um, that's how we got to 16K. You know, we got this punch people put on uh, exceeding amounts of leverage. And that goes to what Dr. Jeff is saying, which I wholeheartedly agree with. When liquidity becomes tighter and contracts, that leverage, which is just another word for credit, something you don't own, it, 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 it gets, you know, completely pulled out of the system. And when once that happens, the leverage bets get unwound and get pulled out. And that's how we go from 60, you know, 9K down to 15 because the leverage gets sucked. It's not, and, and, and to your, your point here, okay, like, you know, Drucken Miller and uh, Paul Tudor Jones were having this conversation about Bitcoin in 2018. And they said, based on their data, the, the vast majority, somewhere close to 80% of hodlers never sold any Bitcoin during the entire bear market coming out of 2017. They held the whole way down from 20K to 3K. And to, the, to your point, like they believe in it long term. They're not moving the market. What's moving the market is the derivatives and the leverage. So like the folks you're talking to, I just don't think they're overall very meaningful in terms of you know, the buy side pressure, respectfully. Yeah, but so, but even then, like it's the same pushback, right? You're saying, you're describing a mechanism by which leverage impacts the market. And I agree that that mechanism both exists and impacts the market. But why does a human actor decide to put on or not put on that leverage in the first place? Liquidity, right. like Jeff said, when, when, it, when it was perceived that liquidity was going to be flowing into uh, the banking system, whether right or wrong, uh, from a right, from a but that's the narrative, right? Like that's my point. No, no, like, that's fundamental. That's that's not. I, I exact think that's questionable. Right, I think that's really questionable because you have people that are gonna perceive that liquidity may flow in in the future and put on leverage, right? They're not no, waiting. No, no, it's not, per but Stephen, it's not perception. It's actual, yeah. it was actual liquidity. I mean, everybody kept sharing that and, and I was, you know, discussing it, but they, they kept sharing that balance that, you know, here's the Fed balance sheet, here's QE back again, and here's, you know, billions of dollars flowing in, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars. You, that's not a narrative, that's fundamental. To, but like you're you're saying that people wait, they wait and 
wait until after the fact and then act. And that's just not what I've seen. Like people front run it. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. Most, most, most people are, are not waiting. There are some who wait and they get wrecked. Like I have stories about that. So we, we might just have smarter clients, right? Our clients are very smart. So what you, Stephen, and I are seeing, which I agree with, I see that too from my clients. They're just smarter than um, the average kind of Bitcoin investor out there. And there is, I do believe there is a lot of derivatives and leverage in the system. During the Hopium, when everybody was spreading bullshit in 2021, Plan Beta, others talking about million dollar Bitcoin in two weeks or whatever the fuck. It was uh, just a bunch of BS and a lot of people FOMO'd in, used leverage because they don't have enough cash, got totally wrecked, had to sell in 2022 because they never had the conviction or understanding or they couldn't afford it or they got margin called. They're like, fuck it. I don't even. Well, there was, there was a shit ton. There was a shit ton of Bitcoin sold within three months of the, of the top. And that was all new wallets, new addresses. Which could be from OGs moving cash to new wallets. We don't know. Might not be noobs who just bought. Like if you're an OG and you own 100,000 or millions of Bitcoin or whatever, let's say hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin or tens of thousands of Bitcoin, you're going to have, if you do your offset set correctly, you're going to have many wallets and you, maybe you have new wallets all the time just to sell through. Um, so when you sell, you might not, you, you might just sell from one of your wallets that has. So you're saying you think that that was mostly, you're, you're saying that it was, you think, think that that was it. mostly OGs versus speculators? I'm new, not saying newbie? mostly. I'm saying OGs. A lot of OGs are selling all the time. Why? Because they're rich as F. Yeah. They've been through enough. Some of them are also price sensitive bubble. though. Some of them are also price sensitive. Is. I mean, we, and, we, and they we will buy have... when it's low and sell when it's high if they're smart. And I think we... a lot of OGs are very smart because well, they've look, gone through the bubbles. Yeah. I mean, look at, look at Peter, Peter Thiel, right? Peter Thiel, um, you can Google this and look at some of the numbers. He, he, he wound down, uh, Bitcoin um, investment in some of his uh, uh, venture capital firms that he started in 2014. He sold all of it. Uh, it booked, I think he booked like $2.4 million um, selling it in uh, in March through April of 2022. That's a that's an eight-year bet that he wound out. Yeah. Uh, before I forget, I wanted to let Brandon Gen- Gentile, Gentile speak he's had his hand raised for a long time so the floor is yours for a few minutes if you'd like no thanks jared so yeah no it's a great talk i didn't want to interrupt it it was just going back a little while so i was letting you guys do your thing it's you know everyone kind of laid out the case dr jeff laid out a great case and steven and, and and joe kind of going through the numbers and alex mentioned it too just you know kind of don't be the deer in the headlights you know take some action as, as Fawcett says you know bitcoin's insurance do your homework and go smash by and and get on the bright orange mission because this is you know and remembering going back to a little bit ago remember that these inflammatory proposals and things that we were talking about earlier 
um, and people buying you know, groceries on credit, things of that nature. Um, and the things they put out, like the, the credit, uh, you know, good borrowers paying for the people's bad credit, et cetera. Um, there is, you know, the devil in the details, like Steven said, but at the same time, they, they are on purpose, right? They're trial balloons and they monitor pushback and they see how the country and people react. And, and really largely they, they're stoking division. So you don't pay attention to what's actually going on. You know, we, we kind of, we come in here, we talk about a lot of these things, macro, we get into the weeds sometimes, but at the end of the day, they're, they're, they have a purpose. As Ronald Reagan said, there's nothing in politics ever happens for no reason. And, and they don't want you paying attention to what's actually happening, what's where your cash is actually going. Uh, you know, does Zelensky have it? Where is it? Where is it? It's going all around the world. That's, that's the thing that's, that's really happening. And things hide in plain sight. And, and they, they hide things in plain sight purposely. That's how you hide things. So don't be faked out. Stay vigilant. And communities like this, I know we're getting towards the end of the show, are, are a great way to cut through the noise. So I just appreciate everyone here. And, and great talk today. Step down here as I know a lot of people are waiting to get up here. So thanks, guys. Thank you, Brandon. That was awesome. I have a question for Jeff. Jeff, what are your thoughts on BRICS and the disrespect that all these countries are, are dishing towards the United States and the U.S. dollar? Uh, how do you think that's going to affect the economy and overall, you know, dominance of the U.S. dollar besides the obvious? Yeah, I think that's that's a important question. I think this is a long-term story, right? It started years and years ago, and this divergence between uh, the countries that want to get off of the U.S. dollar hegemony. And uh, and so they're putting up a fight. I've been talking about this for a couple of years that I think over the coming decade, we're going to see this basically multipolar world where we have the U.S. dollar will still continue to be the dominant reserve currency and trading currency, but there'll be a growing contingent that's sort of centered around China uh, and the China-Russia relationship and then the BRICS, and it's growing from there as we're, as we're seeing uh, more and more. This does not mean anything is imminent at all, by the way. This is a very long-term process. We're going to be talking about this you know, five, six, ten years from now still. Um, and so so is it legit and it, is, it, is it happening? Yes. Uh, is it generally kind of a negative, negative for U.S. dollar hegemony? Yes. But I think it's a very slow moving process and it's going to take a lot of time and there's going to be uh, you know, fits and starts along the way. So I think when, when the U.S., you know, they, they did their sanction policy that now is, you know, pretty infamous for pretty stupid uh, by blocking Russia off of their own uh, uh, reserves, uh, that that kind of put the, you know, uh, that was like the gunshot that basically said, even though this was going on in the background, kind of behind the scenes, that moved to the forefront. And so now lots of people are talking about it. But I guess I just look at it as inevitable. It's moving towards this multipolar world. I think that this world we have right now with like 100 and whatever, 70 really weak fiat currencies, uh, not counting the dollar, not counting the yuan, uh, I think they're going to slowly, that purchasing power is going to get absorbed by these couple major currencies. Uh, and then I think that Bitcoin is going to you know, play a, 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 an outsized role uh, it's, it's obviously teeny tiny right now, but because of its exponential growth and, and uh, obviously potential as being a better reserve currency or excuse me, a better reserve asset for the world, uh, that that's going to continue to grow in prominence over the next 10 years. So not sure if that answered your question. I don't think it has a lot of short term implications. Uh, I think a lot of people are calling for the death of the dollar. and I think they're wrong. Uh, but, but this is definitely a legitimate issue. And we're going to watch this trend, I think, increase over the next five, 10 and 20 years. Yes, you did answer my question. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, I want to go to 
quick announcement while we have Anders and Pubby both on stage about toxic happy hour in Miami at the Bitcoin conference. Swan is a sponsor. Um, Pubby or Anders, welcome. Would you guys like to talk about that a bit and when it is and how people can join? I know Alex will be there um, and many, many others. Anders, you got this, man. You found the location. Bring it home, baby. Yeah, okay. I was going to give you a chance to say something, but you're absolutely right. Uh, Taryn, um, and we're so excited for this. Um, and we, we put a lot of work into it. And it, it's my main focus uh, these days because it's uh, 18th of May. So we're not, what are we, like three weeks out? Um, in, so yeah, May 18th. This, May 18th. Story behind it, uh, Poppy and I went to uh, Bitcoin 21 and 22. I uh, went to some great uh, parties there, um, uh, which was done by um uh john cheneau and his buddy down in miami um and, and uh, then uh, last year uh in la we thought we'd get some people together for beers uh before pacific bitcoin which by the way um, i must say for the first conference of you guys like it's uh, how did you put it together to be probably the best bitcoin conference? well definitely the best bitcoin conference i've ever ever been at i think that's kind of a um, a sign we're living in a simulation because that's not possible. All right, let's let's get to the party. So in January, after Bitcoin Day, I went to Miami and spent a week uh, to look for the best possible venue. And I would like to uh, publicly now apologize to Bitcoin Magazine, which has a whale night the same night because we're going to have a better uh, location because it was proof of work. I walked the streets, I looked for venues, and we've got the best venue. It's So pretty excited about that. Uh, um, it's going to be on the Thursday night, May 18, from 5 p.m. till almost uh, midnight. Uh, we have some entertainment lined up, which hasn't really, um, it's kind of been seen, but not at all been seen. Uh, so I'm looking forward to see people's um, reaction to that. It, and it's a rooftop. And at the eight, one minute past 8 p.m., uh, we'll have the sunset from up there. Uh, it's a view of uh, South Beach and mainland Miami, and it's just be a great time. We have, you know, some amazing friends of Toxicabria that often has been on as um, as, uh, as as guests on the show, uh, like Lawrence Lepard, Greg Foss, Jeff Booth, Mark Moss, and, and the list just goes on. Um, so it's it's a great opportunity for all of us that usually are not invited to VIP parties. And Jeff, uh, Dr. Jeff Ross, I'm looking at you as well. Unfortunately, he has bailed out, um, not able to make it. We're sad about that. But uh, it, it, it's a great opportunity for those that, those of us that are not invited to VIP parties normally to have the experience of a VIP party. That's what we believe we've put together. It, it's going to be uh, freaking awesome. And you get to meet all of those people that we see all over on YouTube, on Twitter spaces, and, and just grab a beer. And all of those guys and girls, we know they're, you know, they're so accessible. They're happy to talk to anyone. Like they love when they, when they meet uh, the pleb and have a, a, a Bitcoin discussion, you know, anyone, who, you know, below 50 followers, whatever, they're just more happy to be, you know, uh, talking to quote unquote normal Bitcoiners, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. It's uh, we're, we're looking forward. It's excited. Uh, we capped it at 
615 in honor of Americans. American hodls uh, mean that if you if you have 6.15 Bitcoin, you'll get um, eternal riches and uh, and something with ladies. I can't remember that last part, but yeah. So um, we're looking forward. I know I, I ran it there, but uh, it's gonna be great. I love it. Uh, before we go into closing comments, I was told not to do this, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Swan IRA product I help uh, create with uh, Jeremy. And Swan team, I want to talk about that. It's live. Oh, by the way, uh, for Toxic Happy Hour Play Party, hit the link in the nest to buy your ticket. Um, it's not sold out yet, right, Anders? No, it's not. Uh, it's not sold out yet. It's, um, yeah, I would do yeah, that today. Some, it's going to sell out. Yeah. Cool. I got 420 tickets are gone. Actually, that's funny. 420 uh, is gone. Go ahead. Okay, cool. Swan IRA is live. It's easy as setting up a Swan account, which takes its little as a couple minutes two clicks i've done this myself so if i can do it you can do it i'm looking at you peter ansel two clicks and your ira is live in less than 60 seconds you can choose traditional Roth. we do traditional to tra traditional transfers and rollovers and Roth to Roth. and you can choose whether you're moving money from an existing ira that you might have at schwab or whatever or rollover from a prior employer 401k or if you want to talk to us about Sending up a solo 401k or moving a cash from your solo 401k, SAP, a simple IRA, any of that to us, we can help you do that. Contact your uh, swan, go to ira at swan.com or, or swan.com slash ira to learn more, to ask more questions and get connected. If you are a private client or moving 100,000 or more, contact your swan private client rep, or on stage, you can contact Steven or Alex. We'll get you set up with no transfer fees, no minimum balance, no setup fees. This is real Bitcoin, not an ETF like TBTC or derivative, those crappy products I used to work on. Well, not crappy, but these products that I used to work on on Wall Street that Joe pointed out has been responsible for a lot of the volatility, both up and down in the Bitcoin price. The link is in the nest. Um, and again, you can go to swan.com slash IRA. Okay, closing comment. Um, let's do it. So who would like- Hey, real, to real quick, Terrence. Yeah, go ahead, Peter. So Swan has taken a huge amount of friction out of this process. When I, prior to this Swan um, uh, um, IRA uh, business that they're doing, it took me two months because your current custodian doesn't want to release the funds and the custodian you send it to, they have um, a long process to get it through their system. So, Yes. And to that point, we are very experienced in dealing with difficult insurance companies and other retirement custodians that make your life difficult. We know who they are, right? We have the v relationships with the VP of client relations at these companies to expedite things for you to cut the, the red tape and bureaucracy. So you will get help from us to in moving your cash over. So it's going to be much easier to do it with us than you might think or with uh, competitors, I would say. We have and much I'm not paid by Swan, by the way. Exactly. Yeah, you're great. Right. We handle great, uh, most, like we handle all of the heavy lifting on the backside for those transfers, those like ACATs and IRA transfers. Yep. And We've gotten to a point where 
I would say the vast, vast majority of those transfers all take place within the time frame that we throw out, which is, it is like seven to 10 days, sometimes sooner. It's because of custodian stuff on like IRA custodian stuff. So there is a little bit of a gap you want to prepare for, but we're at a point where the vast, vast majority of those are going to get closed out in that time frame, get the cash transferred over, can buy Bitcoin immediately once it hits. So it's in a good spot, even with some of the more difficult custodians that don't want to let accounts go. And Absolutely. I just want to say, you know, mm-hmm. I uh, initially wasn't, you know, supportive of the specific strategies that you guys use to get these ACH transfers through really quickly. Um, I know that you guys send like threatening pictures of, you know, you guys swinging baseball bats, threatening to break people's knees. But the point <laughs> is you get the job done. You get those transfers through. And I think it's amazing. I'm, I'm all for it. Whatever it takes. Well, well, like, I mean, did, keep, did you see? I mean, did you see the squat, the Swan attack squad? I mean, we 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 mailed swans to Bitcoin IRA's office, and we just set them loose. That was pretty effective. Yeah, they shit over everything. Swan shit is huge too. It's like, you know, as big as a baby's arm. It's fucking crazy. But uh, I'm, happy to, I'm happy to kick off the sort of wind down. I think you know, we talk about a lot of things in here. Yep. We're going to talk about a lot of things in comments. here. I do see Natalie Brunel in the audience. I threw in the invite in case you'd like to tell us what was up with the, I think it's Bitcoin policy event in D.C. that you were at, if you have time or, or, and are able. But um, let's go to some closing comments. Anyone on the stage want to go, please limit your comments to 30 seconds. We can go longer today, I, so we'll take advantage. But let's, yeah, go ahead. I'll kick us He's off, going. Terrence, if that's all right. And... Um, also want to just say that the Bitcoin Policy Summit was absolutely incredible. It happened uh, Wednesday, excuse me. Natalie was an amazing MC and host for the event. And um, you can watch the entire live stream on the Swan YouTube channel. We were the, uh, the media partner for that. That's go to swan.com slash YouTube. That'll take you to our YouTube page. So definitely nice. check that out. I it did was, not uh, know we had a YouTube link like swan.com slash YouTube. That's excellent. Was that you, Pete, yep. did that? That's terrific. Yes. Yes, it was. But, um, cool. Go but ahead, yeah, go ahead. I mean, I'll just give wind down comments, which is to say, um, I think we, you know, we talked about a lot of amazing stuff. There's a lot of cool stuff happening in Bitcoin, but I think that the most important thing is to stay solvent, you know, make sure that you yeah. have a strategy in place to generate income so that you can continue investing in Bitcoin, DCAing, but don't find yourself in a situation where you're over leveraged. Um, not even in terms of actual leverage, but just where you have, um, you don't have the ability to survive these uh, volatile periods and we'll all ride to the moon together. Absolutely. Don't be lazy, as uh, others said yesterday on Spaces. Increase your income, cut your expenses, find a way to stack more sats and hodl. The number one way people mess up with Bitcoin is selling. And the number two is they wait too long to buy. Because what you want to do is buy early if you can, because otherwise you might miss one of those three or four days every year where Bitcoin jumps up a lot. And if you miss those days, it's really hard to make up for it. So it's very, very important to be invested in Bitcoin earlier if you can. A lot of data supporting that. I'm going to put one quick strategy into the nest. You guys can check out if you want. Sure. And while you do that, P, I just want to say, yeah, agreement terms. If people don't buy Bitcoin, while they have the opportunity to buy it below $1 million for Bitcoin, you just retard it. 
<laughs> uh, we stay highly regarded. Excuse me. I'm trying not to get our spaces banned as the uh, special host today. That is my speciality, though, Stephen, yes. uh, but I, I will respect going forward. <laughs> Trump is swamp. Cool. Okay. So, so I want to see gonna... about... Yeah, Steve, go ahead. Yeah, closing comment. I actually, this is kind of a... Maybe, maybe this seems very self-evident, but I want to echo actually something Terrence said. And he said, you know, basically increase your income, decrease your expenses, right? Like super simple, like, you know, financial, like go talk with a, you know, a, like a financial advisor, wealth manager, like 101, like, you know, get your cash flow, you know, make it so you have a surplus of savings every month, like super basic. But I think it's so important and I think it gets overlooked, uh, maybe l obviously less in the Bitcoin community, but just real quick, like, I remember when I first, first got into Bitcoin in like early 2017 and I, like many other people, had no idea what I was doing and thought I could trade my way to more Bitcoin and that I would, that would be the way to get more Bitcoin. That obviously ended in disaster. Uh, well, not, not this. I mean, I was fine, but like it ended in a loss. I lost money. Um, and what worked is just exactly what Terrence said. It's boring. It's simple. Minimize your expenses. If you can find ways to increase your income, do it. And make sure you have a surplus of savings every month that is going into, you know, Bitcoin or any other assets you choose to own. Like, but that, that, that surplus of savings is so important. And I've seen this like across people's portfolios, across people's retirement planning. Like people were not taught to save in previous generations. Like there was a huge consumer mindset, consumption mindset. Um, obviously there's certain social programs, social security that people were relying on. There were certain social contracts that seem shakier nowadays, but um, don't knock just min-maxing your cash flows and your expenses and getting that surplus as high as you can get it for a few years. It can make a huge difference. Absolutely. Well said, Stephen. I want to go ahead and Joe or Jeff. Uh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No worries. I'll say my closing statements here. Give my two Satoshis. Shout out to everybody in the spaces. Shout out to all the hosts and speakers today. Thanks for having me up, Swan. Much love to you guys. I wanted to say, hey, um, I know a lot of people for, for the normal people, right, that don't know about business and cash flow, right? A lot of people like to go out and enjoy their weekends after working hard, right? That's absolutely fine. But instead of buying, you know, some weed, right, or buying that bottle of alcohol this weekend, you know, take some of that money, guys, and buy some Bitcoin. Um, I want you guys to, you know, just stack up a little bit as you can. Obviously, Swan Bitcoin's a great opportunity and a great place to do that on autopilot. So make sure you guys just take advantage of that opportunity and look for delayed gratification, guys, instead of trying to you know, I know it's hard out here for most people, you know, so I'm not going to act like, you know, I know that everybody is business savvy and has a business and has cash flow and all that good stuff. So I just want to recommend that you guys just budget a little bit better. Um, and I think you guys will be rewarded in the long term with Bitcoin. Uh, love you guys. Much love. And see you guys tomorrow or whenever we have another space. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Closing comments. Dr. Jeff Ross, you ready? Or Joe? For the next couple of weeks, Dr. Bear is back. Cheap corn coming. Get ready. Okay. We will do that.
How about you, Joe or Alex? Uh, yeah, no, my only comment relates to what I said earlier. Um, you know, I, I uh, have this this chart up on my screen while I'm drafting something here about uh, First Republic, and uh, it looks like it's about to be carried out. And if you know the way uh, mainstream media works uh, or, or, or policymakers work, they, they tend to bury things on a Friday afternoon when people are ready to just have enough of it and just go, like you said, have a beer. So um, maybe we'll see... Uh, some news breaking in the next, uh, you know, 12 hours here about this thing. Cause it, it sure looks like it anyway. Thanks. Thank you, Joe. That was great. Alec, see there. Yeah. Don't shit coin. It's bad for you. Yeah. Do not. Um, we could say that again, but I want to give Pubby Anders and our, um, cafe Bitcoin stalwarts, Peter and ants a chance to, Make final comments as well. We got three minutes. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in on this one. Um, you know, it, it is when I'll, I'll talk to Joe offline and he comes on tax cap hour later. So what, I'm on my motorcycle. I just want to say that just keep stacking that. It doesn't matter what community you find. Find a community, Bitcoin Cafe, Stack Chain orange pill bitcoin whatever it is find a community to stack with and have fun stacking stats go pop absolutely yeah hey uh, i won't get into the long one there look get down to miami if you're down there come over to talk to half hour um club party i'll tell you what we're we're the place two to four every day where you become friends and then you become family. And what I'm most excited for, man, at this conference is there's probably a good 50 to 100 people that have met each other in the last two years um, via via our spaces that I know now will meet in real life. And there's nothing like it. Get down there, man. It's going to be so cool to, to see everyone that finally, after spending hours each week, um, you know, talking Bitcoin and life in general, uh, to be in first light, there's nothing like it. So get down there. Yeah, sure. I definitely just want to give a huge shout out and thank you to to Swan uh, for for sponsoring uh, our pleb party, uh, which also means that right now, uh, you know, that the Bitcoin magazine whale has $7,000. I believe we will have a better Swan supported party and the tickets are 96. It's like a factor seven years something no we're gonna have a lot of fun i look forward to see you there Terrence. i uh i expect to see you there yeah um, i will see you at the pacific bitcoin talks at capiara which i expect you to make even better than the one in miami but Corey, myself and some others are not going to be in miami this year sadly won't, won't miss you guys but yeah um and i think you get the last word before i close out well good i just wanted to echo what everybody was saying earlier like you know take this opportunity this weekend shore up your financial house at home you know save your money it's like they were saying they don't teach it to you and it's something that i think about a lot thanks to bitcoin and the more you get into bitcoin the more you should start you know thinking about your purchases there's so many ways to blow your money you know even leaving the store we all know about it you're leaving the just to even get into the line they're going to hit you one more time for that little five dollar purchase on the way out just don't do it. Just think about it. And, you know, if you still want it tomorrow, then go get it tomorrow. But just, you know, save that money. Get All right. And we are, we, thank you. We are flat out of time. I'm Terrence, your 
Guest host today for Cafe Bitcoin Special Edition with Swan Private Macro Fridays. Thank you to everyone who listened in and our speakers. Um, get on the mission. Love you guys. Crush it. And don't Bitcoin. It is bad for you. Really bad for you. Thank you guys.